Hey listeners, welcome to a brand new episode of the Sunflower Society podcast with Kara and myself, Justine Gonzalez. We are the Gonzalez sisters and thank you. You could have chosen any other podcast, but in this moment for this episode, you chose this one. So thank you. We appreciate you. Um, and we hope that you will uh, check out always in our show notes if we have put out new courses, content, webinars, etc., books. Um, you can always find that in our show notes or follow us on Instagram. Kara is at Fawn River Beauty and I'm at Spiritually Strategic. All right, let's jump into the episode. Welcome listeners to the Sunflower Society podcast, where we are helping you maximize your gifts and talents and your day-to-day activities to have an impact in the world. Let's get ready to go. Hey, sister. Hey, sister. <laughs> My settings aren't correct, but your background looks fabulous. I'm going to change mine really quick. Um, how are you this morning? Hey, listeners and viewers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, we are here. This is a brand new, spanking new, brand spanking new season. A brand spanking new season of the Sunflower Society podcast. If you're new here, welcome. I'm Justine, one of one of your hostesses. Kara's showing her lovely background she has. Um, I'm in the midst of transitioning uh, technology devices, like computers fully. So I will be upping my game too, you can expect. And so if you're just listening, we do have a YouTube channel where we also load these episodes and it's probably going to grow more and more fun for you to watch over there. So you'll want to go follow Spiritually Strategic Co., the Gonzalez sisters. Um, but yeah, this is um, a brand new season. We've been on hiatus since really like the second week of October. Um, we've taken a little break from from really uh, recording. And we've from been- life. From yeah, life. Well, well, we've I been mean. creating a lot. We've been creating behind the scenes. I know I have certainly for one of my other companies, Educator Aid. Um, But you and I have kind of been in this zone where, and and if y'all listen, you know, we have some other projects that we've been working on. But we also, there was a heaviness with the election. Obviously, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Um, Just a lot of things going on. So we're like, you know, we, and we were both legitimately have been really busy. So, but we're back and better than ever. And we're excited for a spicy new season of the Sunflower Society podcast. Um, like we were saying, we're the Gonzalez sisters. We're based in the Midwest, uh, different different areas, but we're both based in the Midwest. And our goal is really to uh, embody that concept of a sunflower, that if even one of those thousands of seeds reproduces, it has the capacity to produce thousands more. So we hope that you always can take some nuggets of inspiration. Yes, we like to have fun. Yep, sometimes we're going to get a little spicy and sassy and real. Um, but we hope, if anything, that you find within yourself 
uh, how you want to <clears throat> share, your, share your gifts and your talents with the world. Anything to add? So far? I mean, it's a new podcast, podcast over. Podcast done. Over. <laughs> so hang on. I'm getting situated. Karen knows I like to like sit on the floor on my little prayer mat, uh, my little prayer pillow. Um, so we want to start off with uh, just where we kind of, honestly, we don't even have a name for this segment yet, but we want to look at some tweets, what's going on on the gram, what's going on on YouTube, and just kind of look at some trending things. I think it's really easy, especially in the pandemic, for each of us to go into our own little worlds and be like, eh, I don't care what's relevant. I don't care what's out there. And I would argue, you tell me if I'm wrong because I'm not a parent yet, but I would argue if for no other reason than to know what your kids are interested in, you got to keep up with what's culturally relevant. You can no longer yep. just say, oh, well, I just don't get them Blah. about millennials or Gen Z or whatever. Sorry, Gen Xers and boomers. I'm kind of talking to you. What would you say, Kara? <laughs> no, I think that's completely relevant. I think that you have to, like, I have conversations with my kids about who they watch on YouTube, kind of, I don't know, the ethics of, like, all these YouTubers making huge amounts of money and who are they, who are they giving back to, who are you supporting with your views, that kind of stuff I think is important because... There's a lot of crap out there. There's also a lot of really good stuff out there. Um, but I think for our kids, we try to like have a close eye on what they're taking in and understand what it is that they're watching too. So I sit and watch it with them sometimes just to get a better idea of what's, what's going on and what's trending for them. <laughs> so I, yeah, I think it's important. I think there are a lot of kids that are allowed to just have free reign, but then you really don't know you know, how to talk to your kids about, like, in the way that they talk to each other, I guess. You don't know what they're talking about. Right, right, right. So how can you know if it's something you want your kids exposed to, right? Because when they're still in your household, you want to have those right. guardrails and boundaries um, of, of what they're exposed to. Structured boundaries, you know? So, so wiggle room to explore, yeah. but also knowing, you know, what they're bringing in. So with no further ado then, um, do we want to, before we talk, do you want to talk a little bit about Dear Blabby or should we, let's, let's go into this YouTube video we wanted to show. Why don't we kick off with that? And then like, Sounds good. let me share my screen and just show a small clip. Um, because then you can explain maybe to viewers better than I could why you wanted to show this. So um, let's see. Do to do to do. I can't. I can't head. see your screen. Face, oh, can you hear it? I can hear it. I can't see it. I can't. I can't see the video. <laughs> you have to push it on your on your camera, Kara, in order to see it. You'll have to swipe if you can't see my face. 
Okay, it's showing up now. So wait, okay. Is that, is that the clip? <laughs> is that the clip I said? Yeah. So there's like a full eight, like almost eight minute video with him that was released through Fuse. This oh. is, I'm on the Fuse channel, and Fuse, if you guys don't know, is like MTV in Canada. It's a really large network in Canada. Um, but I'm going to actually stop sharing here for a minute. Um, what what were we witnessing? And what's ASMR and like, why did you want to show that? Because he gets to a certain point where he's literally rubbing biscuits on the microphone. That's the part I wanted everybody to see. Well, let, well, well, let me, why? Okay, why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> because it's some, it's, it's a really like, if you, if you watch YouTube at all, it's, it's a weird thing that I just discovered like a year or two ago. And it's like a sensory type of thing that some people enjoy and some people find really, really annoying. Like some people find it super relaxing and some people find it very gross. Like listening to somebody chew. Cause that's can, essentially what you're doing. Can you find, can you guess what I'm thinking of that video? What? Uh-uh. Well, I just, I, I think I struggle to understand like what you're describing. Some people find it therapeutic, but then there's some videos you watch and you're like, yeah, but I also feel like they're trying to be super sensual. Yeah. I mean, food. I think there is, I think there's a degree of that, but then there's also, I don't know. Some people just find it super relaxing. I'm kind of go between like it's enticing to me because it's just interesting because it's weird. But it's also a little, like, I don't like the sound of whispering. And I also don't like no. the sound of sh So. No, so his, his was not maybe a win with you. Because no, I just thought, I thought his was hilarious because of the biscuits, rubbing the biscuits, you can hear it. And well, then yeah, also he's kind of, so I feel, so just to fill you all in, I feel like he is making a mockery a little bit. Yeah, yes. That's kind of why, that's why I like it. Of and so, yeah, and I've seen him interviewed on a couple other things too. So shout out, he was on Theo Vaughn. Theo, we love you. You're one of our inspirations. Um, but uh, I don't, what does ASMR stand for? I don't remember. Ah, I thought you were like an expert. Something with, no, I'm not an expert. Something with sensory, I don't know. I don't know. I have to look it up. Well, so we're just really bantering and weighing in on the fact that if you do go on YouTube and you search ASMR, there are literally probably millions of videos where people are chewing, they're eating food. There's some people who like, they're trying to stuff their faces intentionally. Like that's different. I feel like there's different than ASMR. Isn't that all ASMR? Well, yeah, but there's also like mukbangs too, where people oh, just yeah. eat, but sometimes they use like a um like a really sensitive microphone so you can hear all their chewing too it's kind of i don't know i find it you never have any confusing have a dry mouth and they're like no i hate that <laughs> i know no. that's why i did it wait okay okay i looked it up hey we don't have fancy producers and directors so if we're looking something up it's because we're looking it up okay um 
Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, ASMR. It's a tingling sensation that typically begins on the scalp and moves down the back of the neck and upper spine. So like nails on a chalkboard. It's a form of paresthesia. It's been compared with auditory tactile sensentia and may overlap with frisson. I don't even know... Yeah, but what they describe with the tinkling is like when, like, you know how everybody has different places where, like, I always used to feel that way when grandma would scratch our backs. So growing up, our grandma Mm -hmm. would scratch our backs or like if you get a head, like on your head, if somebody scratches your scalp and some people don't like that, right? Like some people it's their feet or they like to have their hands touched or massaged. Um, But that's a really interesting concept to think about that some people have those same sensations and they don't like to be touched but they want to hear it and see it yeah oh yep. man that's like a very interesting concept actually well um, I especially liked his because he was making fun of it but also like he, he was, was also pour- about, he was like sorry I was pulling up our next thing he um, was pouring gravy like you can hear the gravy like Okay, that's a good segue to this next one. I'm going to pull up a TikTok I did very recently, and I think it was disgusting, but I did it. I did it because I'm like, well, clearly people are voting on it. I'll put it that way. I'm going to see if I can turn it to show it like on the camera here because we couldn't, I, okay, I'm an old millennial. I couldn't get TikTok up on my laptop. I never log in on my laptop. All right, here's what it is. all right so i made some homemade alfredo and i had leftovers and i was scooping it up and i'm like this is exactly what people post and so i put a poll on it which is getting lots of responses um not that i'm tiktok famous or anything but um 56% of people said they watch things again just because it's so gross. Like, you can't help but watch it again. It's kind of like, like, if you, okay, again, don't make fun of me. But you know how, like, if you would sniff a a marker when you were younger (laughs) and it smelled so terrible, but it was so terrible, then you'd sniff it again. Like, could it really smell that bad? It does. (laughs) But that's why I asked the question, if something sounds and looks so gross, do you go back and watch it again? Like, oh, I can't believe that. 56% well, it's like, of people on my poll said yes. It's like Dr. Pimple Popper and watching oh, people yeah. pop pimples and blackheads and stuff. But, but okay, with that, at least, like, for me, I do find that gratifying, like, okay, satisfying in a way because yeah. you're seeing something released. Yeah. Whereas this, literally, it's just me taking a spoon and going, like, like making that sound with the pasta. Yeah. No, I don't like that. But some people do. But a lot of people like that video. (laughs) Okay, moving on. We've cracked the code into what people like, I guess. I, I don't know about that. But moving on. Before we talk a little bit more about Dear Blabby... I'm going to show you all a very important post that was put out by a public figure, my co-host, 
I don't know if my screen is sharing. I think it is. I don't see it yet. Sorry if this is triggering some of you who are on Zoom all the time for work. Is my screen? Why would it be triggering? Can you see me? Oh. Oh, I can't hear you. I see <laughs> it. Hey, Karen, turn off your microphone. Your dog, hey, your dog is barking. Hear, we can hear everything. Can you mute, please? <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about that one? Um, the one public figure, I don't, I don't know if he's in politics. I think he's in politics, but he got caught on Zoom doing some trouser dances or something. Oh yeah, I heard about that. I heard about that. How, like, <laughs> he's an old man too. I don't understand. I don't understand. So weird. I can't, oh, I just 2020, can't fathom that. 2020 is bringing out people's true character. He had like a big thing of like lotion sitting there. Like, just like <gasps> Ew. <laughs> Ew. Okay. Yeah. It's still loading and loading. Um, yeah. I don't know. We can just, um, we know, can just move along. Oh, there well, it is. Oh, there it is. There, there I am. Is. Hey, y'all, if you don't follow us on Instagram, Kara's at Fawn River Beauty. That's whose account we're on. And she's this lovely specimen in, with, with these two other fish here. Um, and you can also follow me. I'm right there at Spiritually Strategic, if that's your thing. Um, okay, so you posted this two days ago. And it says, since social media seems to value image over deed and looks over logic, here's a super hot pick of yours truly, ripping lips and taking names. If you all don't fish or you're not familiar with the fishing lingo, that ripping lips is like, because, well, sorry, animal rights activists. It's when like a hook, like, you know, hooks into a fish and it, okay, mm -hmm. you get the idea. My little sis, Spiritually Strategic, that's me, and I will be recording a new episode of our podcast very soon after a season of rest and reflection, and one of the main topics we'll be discussing is the vapid nature of how we tend to interact in forms that could be used for healthy dialogue and philosophical inquiry, and how we've completely bastardized the concept of virtual community into platforms that value cat memes, basic quotes, and pretty pictures of well, I don't know what else you said, but we're going to get into convo here anyways. And that's partly why we wanted to show that dichotomy. Like this is literally something like the young gravy clip with him actually pouring biscuits and gravy. And he's kind of making fun of ASMR videos. However, those are some of the highest earners on YouTube. Those are some of the people who are really in that 1% of the world as far as even wealth. Um, and so it just begs the question, I mean, he's gotten over 50,000 views on that through Fuse, and they just uploaded it yesterday. So let's get into it, sis. Let's we'll get back, into it. We'll come back to our website later when the time is right. Um, why did you post that? I'm mad. I'm a little bit <laughs> irritable about... Um, I don't know. We've talked a lot, you know, in this podcast, I've, we've both done social sharing about this and I'm just, I'm going to preface all of this by saying, I will probably say a lot of things that offend people today. And I am just, I'm, I'm just going to, uh, this is going to be a session. We're going to model a session. 
for you as far as how we debrief with each other, how we, Wait, how we let me are light honest my, with each let other. Let me light my incense. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Get ready with your singing bowls. Just get them ready. I only have um, one right now. <laughs> oh, okay. get the singing bowl ready. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just very, cause a lot of stuff in our business has to do with sh social sharing. Um, but there's a sense of frustration because just Christina and I like to go deep with subjects that we talk about. We like independently of one another, we tend to be like very philosophical thinkers. We are very introspective people. And so when we interact on social media, it feels like we are sharing like a piece of that with the world. Peace. Thank you. I needed Sorry. that. A piece of, we're sharing a piece of that with the world. Okay. Um, so I just, I get frustrated and I know that most people don't use their social media for business. So it, it's a different this might mentality. not resonate, it's a different but I get, mentality. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not on there sharing a lot about, even on my personal Facebook page, which is the like in antiquity of social media for the most part. I don't share that much and I never really have about like family pictures or like actual private stuff that I want to keep private. Uh, but I tend to find that a lot of people do and that is what resonates with other people. And I go through this battle with myself, like, do I let people into that part of my life? Because even though I'm sharing a lot of times from the heart and I'm sharing a lot of like gut stuff or ugly stuff or like feeling stuff, which is part of myself, I also feel like it infringes on my family's privacy to be sharing like at this point, especially my kids don't like to be in pictures on social media. Right, they don't even like right. the pictures taken at this point. Right. So like, I feel like I'm often in this, like, do I want to let people into that? Because to me, that's more sacred to protect the privacy of myself and my family uh, more so than my emotions. You know what I mean? Like my emotions for me have always been something that I'm happy to share with people. I've never had a problem being open and honest about the way I feel. That's just, I interact with the world through my feelings. So it's because very you're a harmonizer. Yeah. For the most part. Well, um, well that, yeah, that's, we'll get into that listeners, viewers, um, <clears throat> because we are actually going to introduce you to, there are six core personality types and it's really helpful to know what yours is or what you think yours is. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit more. It's definitely a passion area of study for me <clears throat> in the psychology realm and communications. Um, but why, I guess then what makes you mad that like, is it because people aren't reacting the way that you want them to react when you share something? No, I don't think so. I think, I don't know what it is. Maybe because maybe for me, it feels like I'm putting energy and effort into something. And then for, but for a lot of things that I put zero thought into, like I literally say in that post, my, I have a, a picture that I posted on Instagram a few months ago. And I think it's got more views than anything I've ever posted before or in more interaction as well of me, <laughs> painting, of me painting ketchup on a meatloaf for like 10 seconds. That's literally it. And that kind of breaks my heart and hurts my feelings a little bit because I'm like, um, 
I, I get like people like what they like, but I also, I, I personally look for people who are, are like authentic and sharing authentically and from a deeper space than just kind of a surface level type way. Um, I don't know. I just, I get really confused because I sometimes just want to. What if what you're saying is surface level is that person doesn't think that what they're sharing is surface level. Yeah, I can, no, I totally understand because it is hard. Like it probably does take the same amount of, um, I don't know, like not bravery really, but kind of to share anything about yourself because you're putting yourself out there. In any right. Way. Right. And there in are any- people who never like, will like they're on Instagram or they'll watch my stories or your stories or they'll DM us. But if you really look at their feeds, they don't really post. You know what it is? You know what it is? I think that people tend to post things that they have no skin in the game. As in, they're they're not really risking anything to put themselves out there by posting a picture of a cat. They're pulling a Joe Rogan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, listeners and viewers, we are, we're, we're saying that because I was saying that I do like to watch Joe Rogan's podcast sometimes. And Kara was like, I don't like him that much. <laughs> and, and it was because of exactly what you're saying, which is you feel like he has all these incredible guests. He has this incredible platform, but he never just speaks and weighs in necessarily like he basically ends up agreeing with pretty much any guest on his show is what you've said versus actually having to step out and say, no, this is actually what I think, which he does that with some things. Like he's very open about the fact that he does psychedelics sometimes and like things like that, which I mean, for where he lives, I think that that's actually pretty normal and acceptable. It's just a, it's a weird thing to be very open about and then not be open about your actual opinions on things. Right. Right, 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 right. I just feel like so basically you think that a lot of people live in this space where they're not willing to say what they really think about anything. Oh yeah. No, because I, I have always lived in that space up until recently when I'm very much trying not to live in that space. Correct. Trying to, depending on who I'm with, you know, I know if I'm with this group of people, I can't say or do this because they don't think that's okay. Or if I'm with this group of people, I sort of have to um, sit back and just watch because I can't participate in what's going on because of like how I feel about it. Or I don't know. I feel like there's a sense of me always trying to like be a chameleon and fit in in whatever way. And I'm kind of tired of doing that. And I wish, I mean, I know like I'm not, I know everybody's been in that situation or is in that situation I envy the people who are completely free in themselves enough to do that without insecurity because that's something that I think I think what it is for me is putting myself out there and then just having um having people not understand what I'm trying to say or maybe it doesn't resonate in the same way that it resonates with me just kind of makes me feel minimal sometimes and what I'm and like why why do I continue to do that but then I always go back to well because 
if certain people in history refused to share what they were actually thinking, we wouldn't have progress that we have today. And I guess that progress starts in small ways in the way that you're interacting with people in your daily life, in, in, in your circle well, of influence. But it also explains, Kara, why social media, especially for like boomers and older, their interactions are quite different because their communication style is different. I think all of it goes back to what's been acceptable for what's being communicated. You have to remember that even in that era, there was so much suppression, like whether it had to do with race or gender or religious views, that even if somebody was sharing their thought on something, you, you'd be lucky if you heard about it. Yeah. So you could have all these PhDs doing incredible research. Yeah, if you don't have access to a university level education, which very few people did back in the heart of when boomers grew up, it wasn't necessarily the norm that people just went to college or university. So if you think about it, that's very jarring now that now there's this ability to consume and take in all this information. Because back then it was, if you paid five cents, for the paper to be delivered on Sundays, and then it's whatever happened to be published in that newspaper. If you think right. about it, how else would you have known what was going on except in your own little community? Yeah. Um, which explains then still... why people, especially in smaller, less progressive communities, it's hard when there's change. It's hard or weird if somebody's just speaking their mind. Well, there's a, like, I felt recently too, like there is, even though there's no censorship really on, on any kind of social platform. And I'm only talking about social media right now because I do have these conversations in private too, like with people that I know and I'm, you know, friends with and things like that. Um, but I think social sharing right now for me, especially has been a big way to learn what's going on and also, um, keep in touch with people during a global pandemic. Like I'm not a person that's going to go out and party with my friends. Um, even though, you know, I don't know. I just, I think it's a good way for us to be keeping in touch with one another and also maybe getting to a little bit deeper level than we normally would in day to day with people that we're acquaintances with and we run into it every now and again, but we have an opportunity now to interact daily. And I just, uh, I find though, especially in the area that I live, we are very conservative in this town and um, in this region in general. And I didn't have this experience coming from where we came from, which was only like 45 minutes away from where I live now, but we lived in a very diverse community and we were um, in very diverse groups of friends. We had different exposures to different kinds of arts and things like that, just because we were in a little bit bigger town. And even 45 minutes from where we grew up and from where I went to college and all of these things, it's like a totally different culture. It's a totally, we're 50% Amish in our, in my specific county. We have 50% of our population is Amish. That contributes largely to a lot of our culture, um, just staying kind of conservative. And also, like, I think the people that choose to settle here, including us, you know, we wanted- Conservative as far as values. Let me clarify. Yeah. We're not yeah. talking about politics. We are talking yeah. about values, cultural values. Um, and just a little side note, if this is your first time listening, um, our father's uh, Puerto Rican and our mother is Amish Mennonite background. So K 
Kara is speaking about this, we're intimately aware of and knowledgeable about both the Amish and Mennonite communities. A lot of that community, actually, I would say all Amish people, they, they don't vote. It's not a thing that they, they don't do that. Our grandfather has never voted. I mean, so I'm just giving a disclaimer. You're talking and about he was, conservative he was cultural values. Yeah, he was, our grandfather was also a conscientious objector right. uh, during the war. So he did service instead of going to the front line and fighting because he did, he was a pacifist. Yeah. So um, anyhow, I just, I, I find that there's still a level of scrutiny and there's still a level of censorship. It, it's not like shut up or I'm going to come hurt you or anything like that, but it, it is very like shut your mouth. Um, move up, move along. If you don't agree with what I'm saying, you don't get to speak up because I didn't give you permission type of vibe. And I don't like when I put things out into the universe, I typically am fully prepared to own what I say. And so it's, it's really weird for me to like feel, I feel like I have to still censor myself to a degree and especially Why? Why having had some fallouts. Well, because just having had some fallouts and some conversations with people that, you know, have been in our friend circle for many, many, many years, and even some family members um, along the way that have tried to say, you know, you don't, you don't get to impose your viewpoint, you know, because I, I said this, and this is what I said, and this is what I meant. You, you can be going about it in the most innocent of ways. Ask you're just questions. sharing your thoughts. You're not actually imposing anything or forcing anything. You're just sharing what you think. Right. So I find that it's interesting in where I live, and I don't know if this is universal, just because I, I, it's funny because for many years I did censor myself in that way, and now that I'm not wanting to do that anymore and feeling like I shouldn't do that anymore, uh, I feel like it's like sort of a, a backlash of sorts. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just, I have a very, very much of a love hate relationship with sharing, but I told, I was telling Justine this the other day, like, I don't know why, but I just have to, like, there's something inside of me that just makes me have to share certain things. And I, I have never had that in my in my worldview before. I like, I've never had that prompting before. So I'm going with it. Um, I make sure that I stay in prayer and I like think about things before I put them out in the universe. I don't, um, I don't just get on and blast and I don't just emotionally like post things. Like I, I really try to put a lot of thought and energy into it. Um, yeah, but I, I just, I guess I'm, I never, I'm sure like many marginalized populations have had to go through this type of feeling for a long, long time. And um, I'm not trying to say that it's like a problem specific to me. I'm sure lots of people uh, go through that, but it is, it is what I guess it feels like to be pushed to the side and say, and have your belief like basically invalidated and dehumanized. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. I, I yeah. want to bring us back. Well, I want to bring us back to this because we, so if y'all don't know, we have released a couple courses, an ebook, just a few things, nothing major 
for Spiritually Strategic Co. And the reason I want to hit on this is because I think Kara and I are getting a lot more clarity. Um, yes, we know it's only taken us a year. Um, <laughs> but this is also us being like transparent. It takes a, like I was joking with somebody the other day. I said, now, after three years of being in business for Educator Aid, my, my other company, I'm just now able to like roll off my tongue exactly what it is I do. And part of, and, and I think it goes back to what you said at the opening of this conversation, which is, I think sometimes if, if you're not clear on really like your mission in life and how that aligns with how you show up every day and your goals and your passions, and also how you can make money, right? Doing those things that you love. So you don't feel like you're confined to some job that doesn't value you. Um, I think that that process takes time. And I, I don't know that enough people are honest about the time that it takes, especially in the influencer entrepreneur work, uh, world, and especially when you're in service-based industries. So yeah. I do a lot of work and yes, it would be easy to minimize it and go, yeah, it's about cultural competency. And that's really not the heart of everything that my company does, right? Um, and that's why it took me a while to figure out how do I communicate this? I, I finally felt like validated. One of my clients for the past two years was like, you know, I was taught, and he won principal, he's one of the high school principals of the year for the state of Indiana. And he said, I was telling one of my colleagues, like, you've been my coach for two years. And um, I just don't even, I still don't know how to explain what you do, but it's magical. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> but that's the thing. I think when you're also operating your gifts, um, there is that sense of like, oh, wow, is this really work? Like, do I really get to do this? And um, I think that's where Kara and I are at. Like, we have been working a lot through different experiences we've been through. Um, and we'll show you on our website some of our other stuff in a little bit. But, um, but one of those things that's come up for us is this passion for how do we better communicate with people? And that's why we talk openly about this. Like Kara's not on here just bitching. Like she's really processing through some things. And one of the things that we, we would like to offer in the future through Spiritually Strategic Co. Um, and for people who are willing and ready to want to know more about themselves and how they show up in relationships, how they show up in the workplace and become more effective. Um, as a leader, as a wife, as a woman, as a mother, as a man, if you're listening, I don't care who you are. Um, I would hope, like, I always, I always think to myself when people say, wow, you've changed so much. I always want to say, I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope I'm not the same person you met 10 years ago. Why would you want me to be the same person? I think there's this level of doing it scared also like I think we talked about this on a previous podcast yeah go back like, and listen to all of them I don't They're agree all good. I don't always, huh I said yeah go back listen to all of them they're all good <laughs> I don't agree always when people pair that with hustling like I don't necessarily agree with the whole hustle uh like that I mean, hard I, work equals more success yeah yeah, yeah. Because sometimes that hard work is just spent and spinning your wheels and that's not helpful. Oh, like 99% of the time. It's also a very colonized way of thinking and programming. Yes. 
specific to a lot of college <coughs> that if I just work harder, I can slowly move up the ladder and be worth my value, which actually then carries over into relationships. Sorry, a little bit of a, 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 like a big philosophical idea, but to be fair, um, when you go into a partnership, for example, with somebody and you say, well, we love each other unconditionally. How do you think that that program is going to translate for real to the relationship? If you keep working, working, working like a gerbil on a little wheel and you think somehow that equates to success, guess what you're going to do in your relationship? You're going to work, 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 work to only please that person because you think somehow it's going to make them love you more. Right. That's not unconditional love. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. My, at its finest. Sorry. But my little rant, my little philosophical rant is over just a sidebar about how those are interconnected because it actually is a really damaging thought that I lived with for years that if I just work hard enough, then I can pay off debt. If I just work hard enough, then I can, then I can get promoted. And I think for me, it was always, it wasn't about proving it to myself because I always, I always know kind of what I'm capable of. It's whether I'm willing to do it or not, but I always have this thing where I'm trying to please other people and be something for somebody like other people. That's just part of who I have been. Um, Are you I don't know okay that's good or bad, but that? yeah, I'm fine with that. But so, I did want to say, yeah. I don't like as far as the do it scared mentality, I think there's some truth to that. And I think that's why I'm in discomfort right now because there are like, I am putting myself out on a different limb, a little bit scarier limb in certain ways to be talking about um, religion and politics and these like hardcore beliefs that most people will not have conversation about because it's too uncomfortable. And so I have to remember that. Then we stay stuck. And guess no, what? I know. I Somebody know. does run into you 10 years later and you are still the same person. Yeah. I'm speaking to somebody right now who's listening. I know I am. And that's usually the bigger fear. Yeah. That's usually the bigger fear is what will people really think of me? And I, I told Justine the other day, like I, this, this is really bothering me because I had a confrontation with um, somebody that's close to my husband. Ooh, case study. I don't have yep. a sound machine because we're not a big production, but bow, bow, bow. Bow. Um, I, I had a confrontation of sorts and I just felt like, because it was somebody that is in our friend circle, it just felt different than most our kind of meaning her like meaning her me and my husband. husband yeah yeah um and I still want to maintain um civility in, within my community and an open you know an open relationship with my community without putting myself too far a certain way to like ostracize people but I have felt that I've done that just because I've had I've felt like kind of a moral obligation to separate myself out from certain ideas that have been circulating around lately. Like I have to separate myself out from uh, evangelicalism, for instance. Like I made it a point as soon as I recognized something weird was going on with politics and nationalism and Christian evangelicalism, I made it a point to make a statement and make many statements over the last months about it because 
I don't want to be lumped in. Yes, I am still a Christian. I will always be Correct. a Christian yep. because that's how I came to know God. You know, that's right. the path that I learned about God. And that's cultural for me. But you... Well said, and I agree. I, but you, but I, had, I felt the need to have to separate myself out. And so separating myself out was very uncomfortable, but I felt necessary. I kind of feel like right now we're in a situation where like back in the sixties during MLK Jr. and the civil rights movement and Malcolm X and all of the people that participated, they had an opportunity to make statements and they did. And then there were those who were on the other side of things. And I guarantee you the people that were on the other side of things during that era, look back today and probably kick themselves because they, they not only were on the other side of righteousness and love, they were taking sometimes a stance against righteousness and love. And so not only were they not speaking up, but sometimes they were speaking vocally against love. Um, and I feel like we're kind of in that play today, like where we're on another brink of a big cultural shift within our society. And we're going to look back in 20, 30 years and be like, okay, yeah, these were the people, like, do you want to be in that group of people who just sat there and were like, I'm not racist. I'm fine. I'm going to keep doing what I do. This is what my people believe and I'm sticking to it, but I'm not racist. But then you, but then you never, you, you never went beyond that. You never spoke on behalf of the marginalized. You never stood up when it was necessary and relevant for you to stand up in your circles. You never said what needed to be said because you didn't, like, I don't, I cannot in my conscience look back on this time and, and be like, no, I shut my mouth. Even though I knew deep down, I had this fiery passion inside of me to well, share to something. the people in my and, circle and of influence. To be fair, some people don't do that on social media. They do it legitimately through their work, like school principals, right? And maybe they're not super active on social media. But to your point, you're just saying globally, if you have something in you, and certainly I know that happens in the workplace all the time, I will correct an error I just made. I actually said Joe Lewis and it should be John Lewis, rest in peace. Um, But that's also, again, it's also that it's a perfect example right now because I could be like, oh no, I totally messed up a a national treasure's name and I called him Joe instead of John and he's a black man and I'm going to be canceled and blah, blah, blah. That's how people are thinking right now. And they don't want to say anything. And I think it's been that way for years that a lot of people feel that way and they're not okay to make mistakes publicly. They're not okay to say something and go, my bad, I totally said the, the wrong name, right? And I just did that literally on air. So I just, I I think to your point, yeah, I think that there is kind of this whole, I don't know if you want to call it a movement, but like a lot of people, period, at least in the United States, I can't speak for other countries because I haven't been abroad for about a year, um, but like there's, and other countries function very differently than the United States. Um, So, and I don't mean that as good or bad, by the way, it's just different. Um, I think to your point though, I, I, yeah, I I don't know that there's that conviction there for some people and are they wrong? Are they, is that, are they wrong for not feeling convicted? I feel like in this scenario, yeah. Like that's, I think that's why, here's the thing. I don't want to 
inflict or instill my values into somebody else's life. But at the same time, if I sit here and just sit within myself, there's no, like if I'm experiencing growth, it's like if I planted a big garden, if I have an overabundance of stuff, I'm not just going to let it rot. I'm going to share it with other people. Right. 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 So to me, and I would hope that other people, and I learn a lot by, by having mentors and people that I like pay attention to what they're saying, because I think what they're saying is important and it's a different viewpoint than I hold, you know, or it's a new concept to me. I think that's important for our growth as humans, but I think I find that, yeah, I think people are very comfortable and especially in the state that we're in, we're trying to protect our little bubble because we're in, like, we're in distress. We're experiencing trauma at some level, all of us are. And um, I think that it's kind of a self-protection, but I think also like you can choose a time of pain to catapult you into a season of growth uh, and let that leak over into your personal life and your friendships and your family relationships and all of those things. Or you can sink back into a state of I'm safe and I'm just, I'm like, I can't do anything. Like I'm just stagnant right now because I just can't put any more energy. I don't know that there's anything wrong with that, but I think that there are definitely people out there that A, should not be silencing other people, should not be silencing voices that are important. I'm not saying my voice is important, but there are definitely people out there that like are discouraging me specifically from saying what I want to say. Like just to put that out there, like not threatening me or anything like that, but in a social way, yeah, like you're, you're kind of, you're kind of saying just like, shut up. You're not allowed to speak because it doesn't agree with my, my narrative and my dialogue. I think if there are people out there that are afraid of that, it's valid. Like if that's why they're not saying what they want to say or, um, talking to people and having those conversation, it's valid. It is real. But how do we like, how do we flip the script to say at some point, like, this is unacceptable behavior. Like if you're doing this to other people and tone policing other people and what they want to say, it's just not like, but it's so acceptable right now. It's so acceptable to, especially if you're in a little microcosm or a little bubble within your own community that most of everybody thinks the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm sure that happens um, in more progressive communities as well. Like if you're conservative in a progressive community, I would imagine it would be very difficult. Um, So I don't know. I, again, I'm probably saying some offensive things or some things that might not sound like on par with what you think, but this is just, I, I literally, we wanted you guys to see this morning that sometimes we go through this, these little phases of like climbing to the next level. You know, we're kind of taking baby steps here and baby steps there, but sometimes pain and discomfort enters in. And usually if we kind of can get through that and experience it fully, we, we can get to the next. I, I found that it means you're about to have a breakthrough. And yeah. I would also, just because I know more details about the case study with this particular interaction you had um, with one of your friends, like even looking at all those things, and I know you've been going through this for a while. I think it's honestly, it goes back to 
is Kara willing to step away from people she's still connected to and kind of that who previously Kara was and okay with and, and who Kara was okay with? And are you willing to, to really cut those ties? I think that's yeah. what it comes down to because now you're attracting more people into your life that you're like, oh, okay, this person's real and like we could be friends. Well, yeah. those people are able to be attracted into your life now because you're in a different place. Right. So, and, and you maybe never would have thought of being friends with them before, you know, or, or like somebody who would, you know, DM you and go, Hey, I love what you're posting. And maybe they don't feel comfortable posting it, but that's okay. It's still God aligning you with other people who are, are where you're at, you know, and, and where you're at in your walk is what I mean, not even geographically. Um, so I want to the thing that's hard real quick the thing that's hard for me i think is that i'm still the same like i don't feel like i'm a different person i've just been able to show a different side of myself that i previously have not shown very, very many people and been more open about that like i don't want people to have the impression that oh i used to be this person and now all of a sudden like i I've, I've hidden a lot of myself for a lot of years because it's uncomfortable like it's uncomfortable to be a weirdo. It was it's easier, uncomfortable, but it would be also easier. It it was easier for you at different events or or just different friend gatherings or whatever to just have a beer in the background and watch. Yeah, just have a beer and, and be in the yeah. corner. To be honest yeah. with, you. I mean, you know what I, I yeah. like. Totally, and that's you, not me, like though. I, it's really not me, right? Which I've told you how I feel before, and you know, I'll just go read a book or do whatever or play with your kids, mm-hmm. but like. I don't, I'm not going to be bothered, like, and, and, but that is different, right, when you still have people in your family, maybe, who are trying to censor, or things like that, or, or you just get the impression that they're, like, thinking you're a heathen, <laughs> or, and, well, but, it's not even an impression at this point with some people, like, some people have outright told me their views on how I think, uh, think and, and so it's fine. You, you've abandoned your religion, and, yeah, I think that's a good I mean, uh, because I they just God, can't I think God is smiling. I think God smiles when people, oh, someone's at my door. Let me pause. Hang on. Amazon? Hang on. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. All right. It says it's recording on my yes. end. Back. Sorry. I had a delivery, but I'm not sorry. Shout out to Make and Mary. You can follow them on Instagram, but I believe she's based out of Oregon. Um, but they have so... You might flip your lid, sis. What I ordered was a gold-tinted highlight stick, you know, highlighter that we all, a lot of us love, ladies mm-hmm. and men, some men too. Um, it's a golden shimmer one. So you have like a golden glow, but mm-hmm. it also is infused with essential oils and CBD. So it, you can smell it and it relaxes. What? Yes. Oh. <laughs> So shout out to you all. I literally just ordered a couple days ago and I got it. It looks so cute. Okay. Can I um, see it? Well, I, I mean, like it's cute because they wrote on the outside of the box even and they shipped it uh-huh. themselves. Cute. <laughs> but I didn't open it yet. Like even just the delivery though package. Okay. Back to what we were doing though. So we want to take like 
this portion to actually do a little bit of teaching because before we talk about like the different things we're going to be offering on Patreon that we're still, we're still getting our lives together with this. Um, you all have heard us talking about this project called Dear Blabby. Please continue submitting your questions. You can do that through our Instagram bios. Both of us have a link there. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. But we want to model for you some of the things we're going to offer. So earlier, I was talking a bit about the personality types. And one of the things we're going to offer through Spiritually Strategic Co. will be the opportunity to work with Kara or myself um, and really analyze who you are further. Because how Kara's feeling, I think a lot of people can relate to, even if it doesn't have to do with social media, right? She wants other people to understand how she feels and she wants recognition of who she is as a person, like that you're okay with who she is. And what I would argue yeah, is when exactly. you say, right, when you say at a certain point, you're feeling, notice what you said, I'm feeling like, I shouldn't say this because am I ostracizing people and making them feel bad? I would just argue people process in different ways because of our core personalities of, of how we're wired literally to communicate and receive communication. And usually it's just that that person doesn't receive information in the same way. And so yeah. what I want to talk through really quick, and I am almost fully certified. I've gone through hours and hours of training with this. So I'm actually really excited to talk about it. Kara knows I love it. We stayed up until like, oh, oh, don't look at the back of my hair. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is all going up after the video. Um, so we literally have stayed up until like two or three in the morning talking about this because it's exciting to us. And it also makes a whole lot of sense for just where the world is at right now and people trying to discover, wait, why am I not getting along with this person? And so one of the things that's really, really important to remember is that communication only happens when the message that you intended to be received is actually received. And a lot of times because of the way we write or say things or communicate things with other personality types, it's just not going to resonate. I will give an example before we kind of do an analysis of Kara's personality type. Um, for a long time, because I tend to also see the world through my feelings and digest information that way, I would ask my man, well, how do you feel about this? And then he would say something like, I don't feel, uh, I don't have feelings about that. And I'd be like, are you a robot? Or <laughs> Not being an asshole, man. Like I would take it very personally. And he wasn't, he wasn't trying to be mean. Like he was never intending to be mean. He would just say, I don't have feelings about that. But now when I ask questions, because I've done more uh, learning about this, I'll say, what are your thoughts on that? Opens up a whole different conversation. Because he, that's his personality type. He doesn't filter communication through his, how he feels about it. That's not how he processes it. So there's really quick background information so you guys don't think, oh, they're a bunch of kooks. Um, <laughs> there are, there's one key book that this is based on. This is what I've been studying called, uh, can you see it? Oh, there we go. The process therapy model. So you can see the little picture there. 
what happens when you take a PPI, which is a personality uh, profile inventory? What? Sorry. Why are you laughing, people? Because <laughs> you said PP. <laughs> oh. Um, if you're lucky and Kara is on like the one coaching you, if you ever sign up for this in the future, like she'll make jokes like that. So you definitely <laughs> work with her. <laughs> Because I will probably be pretty bitchy and be like, no, we're unpacking your personality. Come on. Get <laughs> okay. So a lot of this, I mean, this is very literally, it's, it's written by Tabby Kaler. He is a PhD. He's researched this literally for three decades. Um, little background on Tabby, and because you probably have not heard widely of the process communication model, I will actually be one of the only certified trainers in the the greater midwest in the united states it's actually very big in south america very big in europe um in fact there's two authors i believe they're both french who then took the his research work even further with the model and how it's used in therapy right and they converted it to a communications model for the everyday joes like you and i who are not practicing therapists why don't we say everyday jans because we're women um <laughs> <laughs> the average Jans. Um, and Gerard Collignon and Pascal Legrand, they also are part of Tabby Kaler's team at Kaler Communications, and they wrote a book called Understand to be Understood. So then it, it really is big, um, like I said, in a lot of other countries and in business training and things like that. Not super widespread, but in the United States, Tabby actually... He was the personal advisor and communications coach for Bill Clinton. He trained a lot of people at NASA because, well, as you can imagine, if you're going into space with other astronauts, you have to be able to communicate well, um, or literally you could die in the middle of space. Um, like literally, if you think about it. So he, a lot of his services, he's kind of been this Cadillac of communications coaching. So our goal, one of our goals, and one of the things we want to offer in the future is how do we make this really tangible for the masses? In other words, I can get Kara to do my PPI, my personality profile inventory, and have her actually coach me and analyze my full report. So when you engage in that, you get like a 30-page report that says, this is what you do when you're in distress. This is how you respond. And it's literally like a 40-question inventory that you take not super pricey and it is like telling you exactly like it, i don't know like it's crazy because even as much and as nerdy if you listen regularly or you know me personally you know how nerdy i am but it was i was telling kara like in the summer she knows like i was literally like this is so crazy so you could do like and you know we're big into like enneagram and disc assessment and uh, myers-briggs let me tell you, they do not hold a candle to this work. I'm just saying. Okay. It's because it meets you where you're at at your worst is what it is. Because like for me in particular, I know now like I have to get angry and anger is something I tend to keep it in and like suppress and it becomes sadness instead of anger. But I know for me to come out of distress, I have to get angry and it works every single time. I don't hit people, but... I might You're raise welcome. my voice. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So so really quick, we'll do some quick teaching just so y'all have like a taste 
of what that means. That was just kind of background context. So you guys understand and you, maybe you want to look up more work that he's done or look up Kaler Communications, whatever. Um, but I'm going to quickly do a rundown. There are six core personalities. And the cool thing about this is called your condominium because there's different floors. And so all of us have traits, right? We can ride an elevator, even if Kara's personality, her base is what it's called. So that's like her core, what she's going to go to, especially when she's in distress. That's going to be her core. Now, it doesn't mean she's not going to take an elevator to these other personalities and that she can't operate in those personalities. But the main core about this is also understanding, again, just like the book, under, understand to be understood. It's that slight shift of language that sounds so minimal. But just like the example I gave with my man, I mean, it, it, it caused issues early on in our relationship because we really felt like we were speaking different languages. And I think especially in a lot of marriages even and partnerships and relationships, this is a game changer. It was a game changer for us because now it's like he will just talk and talk and talk forever. And I'm thinking, you're still talking about your feelings, but he doesn't process it that way. His personality is thinker. So he's all about logic and thoughts. Logic is their currency, you know? So you got to know when you're dealing with somebody what their currency is. Anyway, so there's six core personalities and these are going to be stronger in some of us than others. Your whole profile tells you all those nuances. Um, and they are thinker, harmonizer, rebel, imaginer, persister, and then there's one last one called promoter that only 5% of the population are actually the promoter personality. It's pretty fascinating. There's a lot of detail I could go into about everything. So your son is very special. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. Well, for now, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He might have a phase change at some point. See, there's a lot that goes into this, but we'll keep it light. There's six core personality types and they all communicate in very distinct ways. And they also all have a core existential question. So the core question for harmonizers, which is Kara's personality is, do you accept me the way I am? Do you see me? Do you love me? Mm -hmm. And so any right. issue you have when you're in distress, it's probably going to go back to that. Even if it doesn't yeah. seem like it at first, you're going back to that question usually. Yeah. Um, if I don't feel seen, I don't feel loved, period. That's generally, yeah. I mean, I also have to tell y'all, this is like, it's also, it, go, it literally goes into even what each personality type needs as far as decor. It, it's crazy accurate. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyways, so what will happen is certain personalities are going to respond differently, especially when they're at the doorway of distress or they're in full on distress. And so there's also teaching involved in this, that when somebody is on the brink of, of like full, full scale unraveling, how you can use certain things to bring them out of that. But you have to at first be privy, right? It's a very in-depth model, but you have to be privy to understanding the personality. So all that to say, we talk a lot about knowing ourselves and self-awareness and we've been on this journey too. We're still on it. Um, but that is something we want to offer in the future through our company is full scale personality analysis. And it is from a therapy lens 
It is from a psychological research model that has been around for decades. And it isn't just the Enneagram or um, yeah. these other things that you see out there, which they're, I mean, they're good tools to start with, right? I, we're, we're familiar with all those things because we've done those things, but we hadn't seen something this in depth that really spoke to both of us in this way. So I'm saying all that to say, because Kara's in the process of being trained, I'm almost certified to be a trainer. Um, and that's something we want to offer because I think that it's really, really valuable to know how do you communicate to others and um, how do you receive communication? Because if you don't know those things about yourself first, it's, it's, you're gonna keep spinning your wheels or you're gonna live a lot of your life in distress. And, and what I'm realizing more and more with clients that I work with is that a lot of their lives are lived in distress like all the time. And that's mm -hmm. actually, so there's even been further research not to get too, uh, in depth here, but there's even further research that for each personality, if you stay in distress consistently and you don't learn how to get your psychological needs met as that a person with that personality, as, as like your core, that can actually manifest into long-term issues like depression, bipolar, like there's certain personalities that if unaddressed and your psychological needs are not met for your personality, you could long-term develop those those mental health issues there's a component of this that's striking as well because for me learning that i was a harmonizer um and need to feel recognized in order to feel loved and need to have me as me validation of self and you which is different there's that the persister personality wants recognition but it's recognition of achievement and work right sorry right so, but contrary to a very religious upbringing, like that's something that seems selfish to my religious tradition and something that seems contradictory, like wanting, no, to need to feel recognized for myself ah. because part of what you learn, you know, with a very fundamentalist view of Christianity is that everything is to get pointed back to God. The glory goes to God. And so it feels very counterintuitive to, even though that's an emotional need of mine, I have often pushed it aside as something that I don't want or need because feeling shame for needing that or wanting that for myself, because it's not quote unquote, a biblical way of looking at our soul, I guess, but that doesn't remove that need. It doesn't remove that need. And it's a very real thing. So part of this is like coping with years of undoing, uh, of the, the kind of rhetoric and theology, toxic theology, the, um, the core driver. So there's things called drivers. And those drive the actions and behaviors behind each personality. Your core driver is, and it's like this kind of internal narrative is mm -hmm. I have to please you. I have to please you. And what yeah, harmonizers, I won't be loved if you, if I don't please you. Yep. What harmonizers also do. And why I think this is also more psychologically like challenging for you right now, harmonizers over time, they develop tactics 
for constantly trying to please others that they become very adaptive. So you said something really key earlier. You said, I feel like I have to be a chameleon. Yeah. That's a learned adapted behavior because yeah. over time, long-term behaviors, if not addressed with harmonizers and they don't allow themselves to feel anger, the mask that happens is called, these are masks, they all tie back to this, right? The drooper mask and they look to be a victim. Yeah. And this is yeah. really hard things to admit. Like Kara and I probably couldn't have had this conversation even a year ago because we both have had to admit these certain things about our personality types that not only are you getting a full inventory of all the glowing things about you, you're also discovering, oh, that's why I then shame eat <laughs> when I when I feel like a victim and I oh you almost kind of in that personality type and I know because this is what I phased too it's not my base personality but I had a phase what's called a phase change at a certain point um to harmonizer is that authentically to your point they have to feel anger but often it's masked in tears and sadness and the the emotions then aren't properly yep. named um, and there's one personality yeah. type, they have to, rebels, they're all about action and playfulness, right? But their core issue in life is usually taking responsibility. Whether that's for actions, I, or, I know. <laughs> Whether it's taking responsibility for emotions or actions that's that's something that they struggle that's their struggle just like you have an existential question or you have a driver there's all these different pieces right it's a really big it's complicated we're doing the hard work basically for you all so that we can make it digestible when we have these different coaching and training sessions in the future with the process communication model um but going back to your specific personality the other long term if you don't address this or figure out how to meet those psychological needs when you're in distress or even when you're not is long term it develops into being very wishy-washy and not being able to make decisions would you agree with that yeah. assessment for yourself yeah i just told you last night i feel like i have no focus right now zero I can, I can feel like doing something one day and then wake up the next day and it's just gone. Yeah. So, I don't think I have a real focus. Talk, talk to me then. You're getting free how therapy right now, by the way. <laughs> how, how, yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit. Cause I want to look up some strategies to share with people. If maybe they operate through that same lens that you do it, and it's their feelings, how they feel. Um, mm -hmm. how does that work with, with your husband? I think a lot of women probably. Oh, well, no, my husband is a thinker also. So that is very contradictory to his worldview. He Again, like your man, he processes things through his thoughts. He analyzes and he's very logical. Your currency is logic. Yes. Not that I, like, I'm very good at being logical, but that's not my go-to when I'm in distress. My go-to would be letting my emotion out in form of either tears, anger, frustration, you know, verbal purging in general. And none of those, like, and I tend to do that and it's like a storm and then it feels better. But for him, he can get lost for 
a long period of time in thoughts and like analyzing a situation and it's not based at all on how he's feeling about it because for him it's not uh of feelings like the world is not feelings driven like the things are just the way they are and we have to we, we have to figure them out that's how he thinks of the world where i don't i mean i don't interact that way hardly ever um so it is a very conscious effort and i have noticed better communication between us when i do ask him what he's thinking um because just like you said it, it gives them permission to like spell out all those the things yeah the pro but but you're allowing people to process in the way that resonates most right. with them hence why it's called the process right. communication model you're not you're not changing yourself right and that's important because people do get up in arms about like well then i'm just only gonna hang out with other people like this that's just a human psyche thing because it can feel really hard but I will also tell you it exponentially improves your friendships and your relationships because it's just tweaking those simple things because what you've done is exactly what you said. I'm creating a doorway for you to tell me, but it's in the way that you share those things, which is. Well, I had to explain to him. For him it's I had to explain to him. Yeah, I had to explain to him like even you know we dated for like five years before we got married we've been married for 13 years now we've been together for a really long time and i had to i've had to over the years like repeatedly like explain myself as far as like i'm reacting in an emotional way i'm like feeling really sad right now i don't always know why i'm feeling really sad sometimes i get profoundly sad for no real reason and I said, and I always it's depression, told depression is a manifestation long-term for harmonizers. Right. right. And I can, I, I know that I slip in and out of depression. Like I, I know that about myself and I can usually feel like at this point in time, I can feel myself. It's not a thing. I know a lot of people struggle with depression where they can't get out of bed and you know, it just like everything feels hard and it's for an indefinite amount of time. Typically, if I feel myself, I can go there, but if I feel myself going there, I know how to get myself out of it before it gets bad. Um, all that to say, I had to explain, like my husband has never had feelings like that before internally. Like he doesn't just feel sad for the world for no reason. Like, like I can tell him, like, I just have a heaviness about where the world is. I have a heaviness about people that are hurting right now. Like, well, what, like specifically, well, I don't know there's so much going on like it's just this overwhelming feeling to me he does not experience the world like that and i know probably a lot of people don't um but it took me like several years of trying to explain like i am never going to be the person that's like in a moment of chaos i'm never i can be calm and i can be like you do this you do this very directive because of my my professional life like as a nurse and working in emergency medicine and all those things. But at the same time in my personal life, I'm not going to be the calm, cool, collected, emotionless person. That's very stoic. I just have, I can't like I, it, it literally, I can't, I have so many feelings. They just go. And that's not the same for a lot of people, you know? No. And one thing to know about this work, and in the deep, deep research of this work is that 
and, and why it has been so vital, not only for healing certain area, areas of our lives, but also just vital for our journey, for Kara and I to do what's called inner child work, where you go back to your seven or eight-year-old self, makes so much sense. A lot of this research, majority of humans, you're going to see their defined personality condominium, as Tabby Kaler's model calls it, um, by the time they're seven. So you can go through what's called phase changes. It just means that you are more operating at that floor. So like for me, um, on my report, I have very high thinker levels now. That probably would have been different four or five years ago before I've been with Thaddeus for a long time. You know, like that's mm -hmm. increased my adaptability to go to my thinker floor and, and be mm -hmm. there. And that's a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing when you have you can access those different personality floors. Um, so I want to tell you, let's just, I, I want to tell you your warning signals as a harmonizer and you tell me if these are accurate. I am looking at my notes, y'all, but I mean, what therapists or psychologists wouldn't? Um, <laughs> Every good therapist has a good notebook that they write in and they throw it on the floor <sighs> next so the, this is this is your warning signals for your sequence of distress and you let me know if these resonate for some of you viewing or watching drop something in the comments here if you're watching on youtube if any of this is resonating um or if this is the type of uh thing that interests you about getting to know yourself but it's definitely a first step we would recommend because it is so holistic and how it breaks down your needs so you would get a full report like this, like I mentioned, it's literally like a little binder and it's all about you. Um, in your harmonizer, right, the sequence of distress you're likely to, get, to begin by being over adapting and pleasing others instead of yourself. This results in you being too wishy-washy in your decision making or in not asking for what you really want. Does that resonate? Yeah. In your basement of distress, this means you, you're, you're in that basement. You're going down to those floors in your condo because, right, we live up here in the personality floors. But when you go into distress, there's something that happens. That's when we start to see, like, the mask, which for harmonizers, it's the victim drooper. Why don't you love me? How come nobody likes me? Right? It's all the I'm definitely I'm definitely there. Part <laughs> way at least. I got one foot in the basement. Okay, you're tiptoeing. I can still in. turn around. Yeah, let's let's get you turned around today. <laughs> um, in your harmonizer basement of distress, you are likely to droop and actually invite criticism. So you're like, it's hard. This might be a hard thing to grasp. It was hard for me to accept. But when I am going into distress, I actually look for ways to be a victim subconsciously, and like, no. And then you focus on see this person doesn't want me to be great. Look at what they said. Does that resonate? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Um, you might experiencing, experience yourself as a victim, becoming aware of some self-doubt, anxiety, or tinges of inadequacy. You will probably begin to make mistakes that you normally would not have made. So sometimes we start to see those things pop up when we're in distress. And for harmonizers in particular, they start making little mistakes that they wouldn't normally make. Um, in your harmonizer seller, this is like your second degree distress. Like you're not in the basement anymore. Now you're in the cellar. 
I also love his analogies, by the way. They just really resonate with me because <laughs> I can visualize it. I'm a visual learner. So yeah, I'm picturing you're, myself you're no up in the crawl space business. right now. Now yeah. you're going into the cellar, like yeah. hunker down, almost full on depression here. <laughs> Curled up in a little ball. You could ultimately, okay, in your harmonizer cellar of distress, you could ultimately sabotage your personal or professional life by setting yeah. yourself up to be such a victim as to be rejected and feeling that they didn't appreciate me as a person. Ooh, I'm not there now, but I was there a few months ago. Okay. Note, if you're seeing yourself with many of these warning signals and have been experiencing yourself intensely and for some considerable time in your harmonizer basement, over adapting to please others and then making mistakes and inviting criticism, then it might be wise to allow yourself to feel any anger that may be unresolved. To regain your balance, be sure to follow your action plan in all caps. So you're also with your full profile, the good news is there's a personalized action plan for what you need to do to come out of distress and get those psychological needs met. <laughs> there's a way forward. Do you wanna hear what some of those suggestions are? Yeah, sure. Um, we'll talk a little bit while I find that section of my notes because this is a big binder I'm holding. Um, Talk a little bit about why you said you were in your cellar a couple months ago. What, what made you feel like that? Well, notice, notice how I didn't say, why did you think that way? I said, yeah. tell me why you felt that way. <laughs> I think I felt that way because of a lot of things that were going on at work. Um, because during the first wave of the pandemic, I'm a nurse, I work in healthcare, but I don't work on the floor anymore. I'm not a bedside nurse. I do education and professional development. Um, so I was going through a, like a feeling of failure and feeling like I wasn't help, I wasn't being of help to anybody. And part of what I, a way for me to, I guess, feel better in situations of distress is to try to help other people. And um, during the first wave of the pandemic, since I was a, considered a non-essential um, worker because I wasn't at the bedside anymore, I, I functionally at this point have an office job in which I do, um, you know, education with nursing staff, professional development opportunities, that kind of thing. I attend a lot of like system meetings and things like that. So I'm disconnected and I was being told to work from home just like made me feel like I couldn't, I couldn't even like be there to talk to the nurses for that time period. And I just felt worthless. I felt like I was so, so unnecessary and that my role as it was like, was like must never, it's ne it would never be helpful for anybody again. And I felt like I was abandoning um, the people that I work with and that I coach on a regular basis. And I felt like I was just kind of like, bye, see ya. Even though it wasn't my choice, like uh, a lot of us in the education team, you know, we asked to help out at the bedside. And at that time, our HR department um, did not, had, had other options, let's just put it that way. Um, so they were kind of saving us for their back pocket. And <clears throat> you know, that has passed. I am, I'm working at the bedside some now and that is, that's helping contribute that. But I was finding that I was just 
I was feeling very contrary, like to everything that was being told to me. And I pushed back a lot during that time with, you know, people that were higher up than me. And not that I, I didn't have a repercussion for that. And in the end, it was appreciated feedback, I think, I mean, from what, <laughs> from what I was told, but I, I feel like that probably was a season of self-sabotage in a way, because I kind of felt like, screw it. I don't have anything else. Like, you know, like if I don't, if I don't say this or do this or whatever, I mean, I have to, because I don't have anything like I was in such distress that I had to, I just, I, but that, that can, that could be seen as self-sabotage because they also could have just sat back and gone, Hey, cool. I get to work from home. But instead I was like in constant distress about it and constant state of guilt about it. And like, that's something that I don't think anybody at work really understood. Maybe nobody really verbalized that, but um, I felt very isolated in that feeling. Okay. So going back to how you were getting those psychological needs met, because for a harmonizer personality, every personality has a way of, of how they can get psychological needs met. Mm-hmm. Um, and for harmonizers, there's two, actually two ways. And one is recognition of person right? Mm-hmm. Not recognition of work, recognition of you as an individual person. You want to be seen and heard. Um, so something I might say, if I notice you're going, I'm feeling really isolated, say that I work with you at the hospital. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling so isolated. Then a proper response, if somebody is well-versed in understanding what you're communicating would be for your personality, Kara, I see you and I hear you. How can I help you? Because I'm, but a lot of managers, right, in general, not just at your workplace, because they're not harmonizers, they're not knowing that's what Kara's really wanting. Because that would make you at least feel like, if I said that authentically, even if you didn't have a way for me to help you or you couldn't name it, you're, that's going to boost you. It's going to boost you because you're seen and heard and valued. The other thing that needs to be met for harmonizers at times or can help with psychological distress is environment. So harmonizers are very big on environment and their surroundings. And if that doesn't jive well with them, they feel off. So for me, like, and you know that about me, if I don't have a certain feel or if I feel my place is too cluttered, my thinking feels cluttered. Um, So sometimes to me, like I just feel relieved or better when I straighten up, but that's just me personally, right? Because I like things tidy. Um, All right. So one of the things though, is when those needs aren't being met and to your point, every personality type also can seek out negative satisfaction. If they don't know how to meet those psychological needs positively, then they'll seek it out negatively subconsciously. So it's very similar to children. Yeah. Very similar. I mean, we don't really change. I mean, that much. Well, I mean, we do and we don't. And then being a harmonizer, you and then you're like, Oh, I hate myself. Cause I just did this and I knew I shouldn't have done this, but I did it anyway. And they must hate me too. Oh, like, and because you're energetically, always, if you're yeah. into like energetics and stuff too, from a spiritual standpoint, guilt and shame are the lowest vibration you can be at. 
You yep. can't create from that place. You can't produce. And so for harmonizers in particular, because we're feelers, if we go into that victim cycle, it can be very detrimental. That's why it says for harmonizers, you can literally sabotage your personal and professional life. I've done it before in my personal life. Yeah. Yeah. Probably um, I've done it more in my personal and professional life because at work, I... You're frozen. All right, we're recording again. Sorry, we had a technical hiccup. I guess there's just technical hiccups all over today. Um, the problem being Kara's on 3G and I'm on 5G. <laughs> and I need to switch computers because yeah, we just have issues, but, but not major issues. We'll figure it out for you all. We promise. <laughs> we'll get it together technologically. Um, okay. So going back to that negative, right? A lot of times it's the same thing you see in schools, the classic case of a kid acting out, they're going to get those psychological needs met subconsciously either way. And if you've proven as a teacher, you're not going to meet them positively, well, then kids keep acting out because they're getting some need met and adults yeah. do the same thing. So here's just some triggers for you or anybody who's watching this who maybe they think, ooh, Kara sounds like my kind of personality too, um, is that if your need of recognition of person isn't being met, these are sometimes the negative satisfaction type things you might seek out negative. I'm going to give you the positive, but here's negative. Making careless mistakes that are sure to be discovered, ignoring your colleagues, laughing at yourself inappropriately, playing stupid, or discounting yourself in front of others or not accepting compliments. I, yeah. still, I still have to work very, very hard at accepting compliments. I do too. And it's really funny because I do like, it's uncomfortable. Cause that's not really like val. Like I know other people feel like that's a validating thing and, oh, you must feel cared about a compliment, but no, because I feel like a lot of times the things that I receive compliments on are not things that I feel like I have control over. So it's like, uh, like, They're oh, your eyes are complimenting your work. Well, thanks. I was born with them. Like, I mean, literally that's like, <laughs> But, but in a lot of situations, what I found for myself, the difference was they're complimenting my work and not me. And so it, it, it didn't resonate. Yeah. Yeah. It's the communication. Yeah, no, I guess it's the same thing. Yeah. They, it's like, it's like if I said, Kara, Kara, that project was amazing. I still didn't recognize you. No, but you I know what I need, your project. Though the recognition is the the need to be okay with me no matter if i'm being um sad if i'm being happy if i'm being funny if i'm being whatever i'm being that i feel like you're comfortable with me and can be yourself around me that's validation too like if you can open up to me and be yourself to me that's the biggest validation and it requires nothing from you other than to be yourself and feel comfortable with me. If I feel you're not comfortable with me, I immediately feel invalidated, which is why when I walk into a big room full of people that I don't know, I tend to shrink back because it's very intimidating for me to like have all literally hundreds of options of people that could either I could really get along with and jive with or 
I can feel discomfort from them. And so that means there's something wrong with me. Like I internalize that feeling of awkwardness to me. Yeah. Let's have a therapy moment. This goes back to what? Let's do it. Central question that you're wondering all those things. She's processing all those things because what's she really asking? Will people, will the people in this room accept me and like me and see me for who I am? That's the right. existential not my question. Not my- yeah, that's the existential question of a harmonizer. And so if you don't address those things, if you don't start to develop that sense of self like worth, right? And do so much work with the self-worth for yourself, then it will be that kind of always questioning and always being scared. And that does stifle your ability to share authentically. And that's probably why you're feeling like, wow. I'm putting my heart on the line, sharing this very uh, bold post about religion and my belief system, because then internally you're also saying, this is a huge step for me. I hope people recognize it, but they, then you're not going to get that validation on social media. You're not, you're not getting that validation on social media. Um, All right. So here's where, if you're not meeting those sensory the sensory needs of a harmonizer, here's how you might negatively go to get those met. And this is kind of the darker side of harmonizers here. The dark, a little bit of the dark arts, if you will. Um, Overeating and or not eating a healthy diet. Guilty. Um, Overuse of caffeine, tobacco, or other stimulants. Drinking too much alcohol using legal or illegal drugs, not caring about how I look or feel, and distancing myself from others. Yeah. Well, that one's easy now. All of the harmonizers now have an excuse to stay in their victim cycles. Well, I'm just social distancing. <laughs> See, and people think the funny thing is like the, like the alcohol thing. Most people think that partying is fun and you know having a few cocktails and getting a little buzz is fun for me it's very anxiety inducing and because i feel like i'm not being myself in that state of mind and i also physically don't feel good um so i tend to stay away from that but i also don't use alcohol in the way that a lot of other people use alcohol which is as a social lubricant um to have fun I don't feel like I have as much fun when I, I have been drinking or whatever, because I don't, I have I that agree. sense of like, yeah. I'm the same way. So, so I don't think that you, if that, you're a person who loves to drink and you enjoy it, please have fun. Yeah. But, but I just don't feel good when I do mm-hmm. it. Like, I, I think I'm older now and it just makes me feel not good. And also I think I did used to use it that way in college. Like, um, maybe as a distress, like reliever or something like that. Maybe. I have thoughts. I have thoughts Uh, about why I have definite thoughts about why I did, um, related to trauma and some other things, but we don't have long enough time to get into all that today. (laughs) I just, I'm the same. Like, it's not, it's not really something I enjoy at this point. It's not, a lot of my friends, like, that's not what we hang out and do. Um, I think I do tend to, like, do some weird things with food, like I have done weird things with food my whole life, 
um, as far as like not eating enough. And then what, like also, you go, you go record videos and go, <laughs> no. God. as far as it being like a way to have, um, I don't know, like to have, like, if you feel that feeling of being out of control over everything, like, and oftentimes when I'm stressed, I lose my appetite, which is a good thing. I, well, I don't know if it's a good thing or not a good thing, but it's not, um, that's a stress thing. That's not healthy. But I also have used food as a control mechanism before. Like, so I try, I don't know when I'm in distress, I, I probably tend to put more in my face than I need to if I'm honest about it. Mine's definitely, um, overindulging or it's not as much a problem anymore just cause I've worked really hard with reprogramming my thinking with food. Like I've intentionally focused on it. Um, but it's still a struggle, right? Like I you think- ever noticed though, that like when you're really emotional, you don't feel full. Like, it's not a matter, like, I can, I can be in a totally good state of mind. And like, I actually like feel like my body rhythm is like, oh, I'll have a small, like a couple boiled eggs for breakfast and I'll have some tuna for lunch or something. I'll have a, a basic supper. And I'm literally like, I'm not hungry in between meals, but sometimes when I'm really, really stressed, I just like, I just don't, I either don't have a big appetite or I just don't get full. Do you notice that? Uh, if I'm if I'm stressed, I just go into autopilot with my eating choices, and I've realized for me, I just have to be very conscious of of my choices and why I'm being drawn to food because food to me is that kind of drug. You know that if I had a bad day, or even if I want to celebrate something, part of it goes back to how food was treated in our own household. So there's also other factors there, yeah. but um, and what was allowed and not allowed, like certain things like that. Um, but no, I think for me, like I've worked hard with portion control and just like rewiring, just stop when you're full, you know? Cause if we really listen to that and a lot of us have to retrain it, you have that at birth. Like, what do you do if you don't want more bottle? The baby pushes it away. Like, like, you know, and you know yourself intimately well, because you have no choice, but to know yourself, you can't speak, you can't use words really you know, and, and you're crying and crying and you don't know if mom gets it, but if you push it away, she gets it, you know, like, so even in our, in our, in our smallest form as humans, that wiring hasn't been broken through. It's broken through when parents do things like you have to finish all the food on your plate. You should never let food go to waste. I still do some things like that where, and Thaddeus will be like, because he was raised differently as all of our partners were, um, like, he'll be like, well, then just stop eating. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's so basic to him because his mind doesn't think that way. And that's not how he was raised. But I'll be like, but there's still food on the plate. You're just going to throw all that away. <laughs> yeah, it would feel bad to throw it in the trash can. And there we go. Another you dog. Need a dog. we're we're looking I showed you the cute little videos on Thanksgiving um we've been looking we we don't want to make a snap choice like like I did before even though he's turned out Rio's turned out to be a blessing but he was definitely a reactive choice um that was a classic harmonizer moment I would say (laughs) um okay so 
your action plan is these are the recommendations for um oh there he is oh my baby Mio. hey <laughs> i would totally wear that on a hoodie um that's so cute okay um your action plan for your professional life kara seek out okay. and make can you hear me okay mm -hmm. seek out and make good friends at work be cordial mm -hmm. when possible and make eye contact with people when ask, possible <laughs> ask well a lot of these are giving you ways to grow but it's also how you can better like get your needs met in the professional workplace too um ask colleagues about their families and be authentic um keep photographs of your loved ones in your work area so that you can think about them and yep. be motivated because a lot of this training too like the in-depth training that i'm going through and that care is going to be like continuing to go through has to also do with conflict resolution and motivation those are totally separate seminars from just like very very basic stuff we've given you today but then you do also get into what motivates people how do you resolve conflict and so that lets people know for a harmonizer if you have an office and you keep pictures of things that are important it sounds very simple but it's not only a reminder to you that makes you feel cozy and warm and comfortable and like I feel okay here. I feel like I belong. I feel okay. It lets people know and be able to say like, oh, is that your daughter? Tell me more. You know, it opens up that even if they're not harmonizers themselves, they know what's important to Kara. Um, once per week, initiate a conversation with a new acquaintance or colleague. So talk with people maybe you haven't before. Arrange for 15 minutes per day for special time when you come first and no one interrupts you. So those are professional suggestions for your action plan. And then personally, say I love you to your spouse and children frequently. Let them know that you care. Arrange yeah. to have lunch or dinner at least weekly mm -hmm. with a good friend. And I realized that this light went out. That's why I'm having trouble seeing, sorry. Old millennial moment. Um, <laughs> hang on. There we go. All right. Um, join a group, a team, or affiliate with a collection of people with whom you connect. And so for you personally, I might suggest um, David Hayward's group. He's the Naked Pastor. He has an online community, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of his stuff would really resonate with you. I think I've told you that before. I'm just sharing it on air because I love him and his comics. Um, telephone a special friend with whom you've lost touch. Keep a birthday file and send greetings to people recognizing the ultimate unconditional event. They're becoming alive. <laughs> so it just gives you ideas. There's a lot more too. So then there's a whole section for your action plan on sensory needs as well. That was just your recognition of self type things because those little messages, they send like they help people better communicate with you too, because they're like, oh, she does this, that must be important to her. And I have noticed like when I feel like getting a thoughtful gift, like actually your husband even said that to me one year, I'll never forget that because it was one of the best compliments I have ever gotten from anybody because your man is a, is a man of few words, but he was like, you know, Teeny always really does the most thoughtful gifts 
or something like that because I put thought into the t-shirt I got him. Um, but I'm very much that way, but it really doesn't, I think people mistake it sometimes and they think, oh, but you love gifts. I said, no, I, I buy gifts when they make me think of somebody in my life. And so really what I'm doing is a classic harmonizer. I'm recognizing who that person is. And I'm putting thought into what I'm getting them because I actually know them. All right. So sensory though, here's ways for your professional. Keep flowers or plants around your office or work area. Wear soft and comfortable but appropriate clothes and shoes when you can. Play your favorite music. Decorate your work area um, with things that are important to you and that you love. Um, whatever's naturally compelling to you. In your personal, make a special place at home where you feel comfortable. Take long hot baths, get massages, enjoy the quality and diversity of food rather than the quantity. Try out saunas, steam baths, and whirlpools. Have friends over for a special serving of home-cooked food. Take a walk, whatever the weather, rain, snow, or sun. Keep a diary of how you feel about things. If you have someone special in your life, spouse and children, write as if you were talking to them. And so it's funny because I feel like in the personal action plan for your sensory needs, you do all those things pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't keep a journal anymore, but I do use, um, keep it up here. I mean, I kind of use social, I, I use social media somewhat as a journal because yeah. I kind of figure like if I'm thinking about it, it's nothing super private. So to me, like emotions are not or shouldn't be private, but I know a lot of people feel differently about that. But if it's emotional or a thought process I'm having, and there's no reason that I can't or don't want to share that because I think other people, and I know this because I've got messages from people, but uh, appreciate that because not a lot of people are willing to do that. So I will keep doing that. I just find it like, for me, I sometimes feel funny writing in a journal, like who's this for? It can just be for me, but then I'm also not working on getting my voice out there. Um, it's, it serves multiple purposes for me to do it publicly, I guess, uh, well, for what we, for what the kind of, you know, work professionally that we do. The important and even, thing to remember, even somewhat at, and, and this isn't throwing shade at you or other people who resonate with your personality, but the important thing to remember is that, you know, the harmonizer personality, again, only 30% of the human population are harmonizers. So you got to remember 70% of people you're in front of at any given time, a lot of what you say probably, it, it might not resonate, but not because of the content. Yeah, that's okay. It's because of the process and yeah. communication um, and, and how that message is being right. received. So, and it's, that's not bad. It's just, it just, it, it is what it is. And I, I mean, my phase is harmonizer right now. And so, but I would say that we treat social media differently. I don't, and, and you know, I have a whole shelf of journals from literally the past 15 years because there are, uh, there are many things I keep very private, even though I'm a public figure and I, I'll say how I feel about education and my mm -hmm. beliefs around anti-racism work and that type of thing. Um, you really don't, you don't see me share much about a lot of my personal life. I've just now started yeah. sharing more authentically about who I am, but that's partly, again, it goes back to what you said, like part of that's just the profession I was in for so many years and you were, 
I was taught and mentored a certain way about what you're supposed to allow parents and community members and students to perceive about you. Um, right. But I will also say those same things are the things that I think are the reason that I'm literally Facebook connected with former students who were fourth graders but are now 20 year olds, you know, and still staying in contact with me and letting me know how they're doing was because every day Miss Gonzalez was going to be playing a different type of music in the classroom or every day. Like, and those are very personal things about me. I listen to music in virtually everything I do just, I, and I love music and we, we listen to music a lot growing up too. So I think there are ways that I've let that be seen, but I, there's just a lot of things I keep private. Like, and I mean, the, the same is somewhat true with you though, because it's very rare that people will ever see you post a picture of like you and Anthony or for you to like post some long soliloquy about your husband. No, because I feel funny about it. Like, I know it's probably backwards for some people. For some people, it's easier to take a selfie or put up a family picture um, than it is to like spill their guts in a I, post. I feel like that's the most sacred thing though. Like, yeah, I, same thing. I, I, yeah. But, but I'll tell you how I feel about things so you can at least know who I am. Yeah, and if exactly. You follow, if you want to follow me or connect with me or whatever, great. But if not, well, because I want, I want my words and I want my heart to be what people know me for, not necessarily like because I feel like so often, and I, you know, I have shared makeup tutorials and stuff like that. But even there was a sense of like, I just like I literally am taking a picture of myself because I look nice today, and I like part of. I just have a problem with like saying here I am like in some ways it's not a bad thing I've done it before do you but think to should, do it all the time and do have you think I should do that because I do no, that no, no. I don't know no, no. I'm asking honestly I don't I don't I'm, I'm asking honestly and I want you to unpack no. your true thoughts in front of viewers because I'm, I'm saying this because I ask myself the same question is it vapid? I'm going back to your original post. Is it vapid? Is it narcissistic? Like I, I think through these things and, and I, I think I, if you're I, not a lot more selfies and like things that people might also say like, Oh, she's trying to be sexy. Like I post a lot more selfies than you do. I do. This is, this is my opinion. This is my opinion. You can take it or leave it. I think if you are authentically sharing your heart as well, I think that's okay. Like, and you're sharing multifaceted glimpses into your life. Okay. But if you're always going to put like, if you, a pretty picture of yourself in a pretty outfit, or if, if that's your only thing you have to offer, which it isn't because that's not it for anybody. Oh, I don't yeah. like, do you, it's how you want to be known. Really, it's how you want to be known. So if you can, if you can balance how, like, I should post more selfies of myself because those historically, business-wise, as an entrepreneur, those are more effective. I don't just because I have a weird hangup with it. Um, I don't want to have that hangup. I just think I see it so much and I am turned off by it when it's a multi or a single dimension of somebody and that's all they're they're willing to put their face or their body out there, but they won't tell about how they feel about something Yeah, or well, like also, even like how their day is going. Well, it's also or like constantly posting pictures of them themselves and their right. family doing certain things. 
certain uh, like activities with friends and it's all I, like I, I often don't share that stuff, not because I don't go do stuff with other people, but because it's like, I don't want necessarily this group of friends feeling like, oh my gosh, she had this group of friends over and didn't include me. I wonder if she's upset with me or like, I don't want any of that. I don't even think about that. I'm at, like, let me be brutally honest. I'm at a place where, and I think that's part of your evolution too, Kara. And we've talked about this extensively, viewers. So don't feel like we're offending each other. <laughs> this is just how we talk. <laughs> so, so, like, I'm just going to be blunt. I don't, like, okay, if you're in the car and you have kids, you might want to, like, pause this and listen to it later. But let me just unleash, because we said we're going to be spicy and real. And I like to throw, like, timeline-wise, I think it's when my PhD work started, actually. I started cussing a lot more. <laughs> and all my other friends who either have PhDs, they're like, oh, me too. <laughs> so we're like, is it just this anger that comes out of you? Because for a long time, I'll be like, oh, well, you know, the love of my life is a trucker. So I guess, you know, his trucker language rubs off. And I'm like, no, that's not actually true, though. It really was. I just want to say this word. <laughs> yeah, it really was a couple years ago when I started my PhD. And I think in that journey, I've also like, I, I just don't have a problem with it. And I'm not in a classroom anymore. Like, I, I don't have to be worried about like, if something slips then a bunch of third graders are going to look at me differently, you know, um, yeah. which they probably wouldn't anyways, because I knew a lot of their parents and I knew a lot of their parents cussed in front of, them. you know what I mean? Like, it's just all your own perception. But um, what I really want to say is uh, I don't give a shit, bitches. Like that's, that's kind of where I'm at. And really you shouldn't give a shit either. Like, literally, I had somebody end a friendship with me, a 10-year friendship, okay? This happened pretty recently. Kara knows all the details. Because a lot of it went back to, she felt like I had other friends. This is freaking somebody older than me, okay? This person is 40 fucking two. Okay, I said it. Um, Grandma, oh. come here cover your ears don't judge me no but it, it pisses it does piss me off and I felt authentic anger you know I smashed a picture with a hammer after that now is the spice okay <laughs> I let myself feel that anger because how dare you a grown ass woman who has been there for you and, and you as a grown ass woman literally this is the emotions oh you you went and hung out with other people? Oh, that's literally the underbelly of the reasoning. But that's why I'm very like, I have, I have close friends in different circles. I don't feel the need to introduce all them and have one big girl gang. I don't. And you know yeah, what? No, I no, don't give I a shit. That. I don't give a shit if I see Kara. Kara is really my best friend anyways. We know more about each other and our, each other's junk and understand each other probably better than any other friends ever will, but, and I know not all sibling relationships are that way. So I'm also saying that because it's a true blessing and I love you, but I see you, Kara. Um, <laughs> but I'm also saying that because I don't give a shit if I see her out on a yacht in Chicago and she has developed close friendships there for whatever reason, like she would invite me, but even if she didn't, I wouldn't sit there and be like, 
really? Really? She's going to hang out with other people? I guess I'm just envisioning the purpose behind it because every, I have done it before. I've gone to something and like taken a bunch of photos and then shared them. My husband does it pretty routinely. Mm-hmm. I should ask him what, like how, like how he thinks about it. I don't judge him for it. I don't really judge anybody for it. But for me, it just feels like, why, why am I doing this? Like to sh- like, I would, when I share stuff, it's authentically because I'm trying to teach people something because I feel like the, like, because of the, not because I know everything, no, because of the different personalities, that's harmonizer's narrative. A harmonizer's narrative is if people would just be who they are and say how they feel, the world would be a better place. That's, that's harmonizers to a T. Oh yeah. But then you got 70% of other personality types. They don't give a shit. That's why they're not overthinking all that. Or they're, they're, or they're just being motivated. They're just being motivated in a different way. But ask Anthony. Yeah. I would be curious what he would say. Like, because for him, one thing that stands out about his like social media presence, he's big on uh, sharing memories. That's pretty much all he shares are, are memory based memory-based things and things that matter to him. So, so I would know if I didn't know your husband at all, I could look at his Facebook and go, this is a guy who values family. And this is a guy who values being Mm -hmm. a father and a husband and he enjoys hunting. That's it. Oh, and he's also a, a talented musician and he's willing to share that part of his himself. That's the only time you really see him. Yeah. Like he doesn't post selfies and all that. But the really only time you see us is through music and he always gets huge response Mm -hmm. and lots of views and he doesn't do it for that reason. Nope. (laughs) I think this is, I think this is really helpful. I hope, I hope that it helps somebody and I hope that like this has been not a difficult conversation because Justine and I talk like this all the time, but for me to say it in front of anybody who's listening, like, yeah, that's this. I've been very transparent, I think, about this is the first how time I really I've said the f bomb on air. <gasps> hey, maybe Woo! next time it'll be me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we'll get their viewers. Some viewers are probably like, they think this is spicy. Oh, big deal, Justine, you finally said that. It's only spicy word because you're not even calling it the word. I'm calling it the f word. <laughs> It's because we're harmonizers and we know that we have a family who doesn't use F-bombs that listen to this. So that's true. That's, but it's fine. I don't like, they love us. I think no matter what, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at this point. Merry effing Christmas. At this point, I think all, all the cards are out on the table. So, I mean, like you said, I, I don't give I, a shit. Do, yeah. No, I do. I do though. I do well, give a shit a little bit. I, I do because here's the other piece of that. I think it's also that evolution of the relationship with like how you, how, how you come to your way of knowing God. I think you said that really beautifully at the beginning um, that Christianity was that path for us to really yeah. first be introduced to God. 
it doesn't mean that there haven't yep. been ways that we've evolved in our thinking and for different people that's different you know some people literally call it like I was watching an IG live with one of my uh, mastermind colleagues and she's about she's almost 15 years younger than me but I learned so much from her because she's Gen Z. And I, I, I've told this story before I made a judgment at first and Karen knows how I felt about it. I was kind of like, really? Is it Michaela? Michaela. Hey, Michaela. Um, but she's super successful. We ended up getting to spend time. Like we happened to be in the same airports at the same time. Like when we traveled about like all these crazy things. So we've always stayed in touch, but initially I was very skeptical because I was like, she's 22. But then I thought very quickly, I snapped. I was like, Justine, how are you going to judge somebody? Like one of my closest friends just turned 50. She never discounted me because I'm almost 15 years younger than her. You know what I mean? And I know I'm kind of an old soul, but like, and a lot of my friends are older than me, but like, I also look back at that and I'm like, no, I can't think that way. That's, that's not okay. And so I've really gotten to know her more, but she was doing a live IG last night and I caught a bit of it. And so many of the responders in there were saying, you keep talking about the magic. What does that mean? And she broke it down very beautifully. And um, I think it's different, especially for Gen Z, because so many of them were maybe not raised in the church setting. Mm-hmm. And she said it very similar. She said, the magic is literally where you find your faith. And for some people that's Hinduism or Buddhism or looking at, or like meditating with crystals, whatever that is for you, it's your connection to source, your connection to your creator, your connection to God. And however you see, you know, the universe. Um, but it was very hard for the people on that IG. They were just asking her all these questions because it was almost like it was very hard for them. And I'm, I'm making an assumption that most of them were in her age range. Like they couldn't wrap their head around that, that supernatural connection to God. And so I think that's worth kind of exploring maybe in another episode because we all have different ways of how we even perceive and we're introduced to God. And I actually had a very, I told you, I had an interesting conversation with our dad about this and I learned things just by asking him. I learned things about how he perceived God that I never knew. And I never would have known if I wouldn't have been just like, you know, I, I don't agree with this. And, and this is what we did learn in the church growing up. And these were good things about it. But then these were also like, this is what I thought of God for a long time. And it, it stifled my thinking of people too, you know? And so that's that dichotomy of like, that's that, that, that's a dichotomy of like, as you evolve in your connection to God and in your understanding of God, you could also evolve in understanding how to treat other people. And I don't know. I just, I think it's all part of that process of being okay with, yes, fully being who you are, but also being open-minded enough to know, like, God probably, like, let me be clear. God probably doesn't give a shit if we're cussing. Like, when did that be, what, when did that become, what, I I don't know. Like even that is a whole other conversation. I tell my kids, I tell my kids, like you put the value behind your words. So even if you say you hate somebody or you say you love somebody, you're putting the value behind how you think of that word and how you feel that word. And it can be the same for any word. Like, I don't know. I think there's so much, 
yeah, another episode, we'll talk about how othering takes place and how, you know, like Justine and I spent a large portion of our lives othering people. Shout out, shout out to Mike Fry. Michael Fry, he has a great TED talk on othering. Okay, sorry, sidebar. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw that. I think I shared it, actually. He did. He's one of my good friend's uh, partners. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that you know, while we're trying to, you know, heal ourselves in different ways. And this has been a method that has worked for us um, to like in having some kind of a framework to talk through things um, with other people and coaching situations and things like that. Like there is a whole other spiritual component of this that, you know, we experience and um, we have wisdom from that aspect of our own personal spiritual journey. Um, but that might not, like, I don't know, for me, it's hard to look at this as just something that's a spiritual and not anything to do with, you know, I don't know it's, if, it's if the author's we, intention of this was that, but. It's why, it's why we named our company what we did. I, I, right. it's, it's, and it also, if you're a person who studies the Bible, it talks very explicitly in the word about faith without works is dead, you know? And then on the flip side of that, you can be out there hustling and trying to get in all these works. Well, I served in nursery. I did this. I was a greeter and you're actually, but your belief in your faith and your soul deep in your soul and how you consistently connect with God, it's just always there. That's why it's always felt, even since I was a child, it always felt very weird to me. Like, Hey, you have to read your Bible every night. And it wasn't because I was resistant to it. You know me, I'm a nerd and I'm a rule follower at my core in a lot of ways. Well, I'm not a rule follower anymore. Um, (laughs) I outgrew that pretty quickly after college when chapel wasn't mandated. Uh, (laughs) Another, another story for another day. Um, Even then I was, I was pushing the boundaries with a lot of things. Um, But I will say like, I, I've always like, there was never times, even as a kid where it wasn't a separate thing to me. It was like, I literally would go talk to kids on the playground about God. Like, I just, I don't, I've never seen it as this separate, like, oh yeah, that's my God time on Sunday mornings. I, I got into those routines and I accepted those norms and I abided by the norms. But I think you have to ask yourself, like, it, again, you can have all the strategy in the world, just like a tool, like process communication model. But if then you don't have the spiritual part, yeah. or I can be so connected to God all the time. And maybe all I do all day, every day is like, just sit and meditate or whatever. But then also, or, or maybe I also have a career, but I have no strategy or I don't have the tools. And I think a lot of especially evangelicals are being faced with this right now because of the more accepted realm of talking about mental illness and mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, how is that any different than if somebody has like cancer, um, like a physical ailment, right? Um, And because of that- For those of you who don't know, for those of you who don't know that that theology within the evangelical and fundamental church is deep, and it basically says that 
those things like depression, anxiety, et cetera, are not real, that they're a product of like, if you're feeling that way, it's a product of you having sin in your life. Correct. And that is a very, very widely accepted, um, theory, theology, even, even if it's not explicitly preached on, even if it's not explicitly preached on, it still People is. will not receive the help they need yep. because, uh, because basically they're telling, well, that's, that's on you. That's between you and God and you have to fix it. And so there's really, there's a really bad disparity in mental health issues within the church right. community that are very, very hidden. goes along with cycles of abuse, all those things. We, we, we could talk about that. Sexuality, yeah. like just so many things. So all that to say, um, I can also be somebody who is like sold out. Uh, maybe I go to all the different spiritual things, right? Whatever your religion is or anything, right? However you associate yourself with belief. And, and maybe you have all the crystal belief, all yeah. of the crystals. Yeah. All the crystals. Right. But then behind that, for some reason, like you still feel really sad or you still aren't, or you feel yourself going into cycles of like what we talked about on this episode, that's where the strategic part comes in. Like, again, that's the whole reason we named our company what we did, because you kind of need both. And you can't just say, well, God will heal me. God will heal me. No, God did not put like magic writing in the sky and say, hey, Justine, this is why you react this way. No, God delivered a person like Tabby Kaler and so many other incredible people, which by the way, I think any individual you encounter can have high, high value if you're willing to see that and engage with them. Not because he has a PhD, but because he brought something into the world and devoted his life to researching the psychology behind it. So if we have these, and, also, and people have been willing to ask questions, people have been willing to literally, to your point, they have devoted their lives to sharing this because they are so passionate and it has helped them heal in such incredible ways, or it's helped them better. It's really is healing. Cause you can, you can also then push back and go, well, Justine, how's a personality profile going to help me heal? Well, guess what? Better communication equals better friendships, better relationships equals a healthier you. I don't, I mean, I don't know how much more clear that can be. No, totally agree. I think, um, I think we like, as much as we run our mouths on here, as much as we share on social media, we are very open books in a lot of ways, but we also are, you know, we go through the same thing everybody else goes through. And this is probably one of the first times we've really been open about our vulnerability in that. Um, and I think, yeah, you have seasons of going through it. We all do. And, but you have to, like, I'm not, I don't find myself wallowing in bed because of it, you know, like where I used to maybe would have, I still love a nap, but that has nothing to do with depression. Um, I, I used to would have had times in my life where it was hard to get around and get ready and do the things that I know I need to do to make myself feel good. And it's almost like self-sabotage. So it doesn't have to get to that point. And that's what we're trying to impart. Even though this is a difficult season for me, um, I don't, I don't have to find myself in that cellar. I don't have to go down there if I don't, if I, if I know that's what it's, 
coming to, I can pull myself out of that before. And I think that's been the most valuable thing for me. I've been to therapy before, you know, I've, I've, and and it was good, you know, it was fine. Um, It was, I guess, an outlet. My problem with going to therapy, and this may not be the same experience as everybody else has, but I've seen with certain family members and myself, it's often just a, a, not even a sounding board really, because you're literally just talking and the person is sort of saying valid, validating what you're saying. There's no like strategy uh, necessarily that they can, they can advise you on necessarily, or um, I don't know. They, it, it is a process of learning and self-discovery. And I, I realize that, but something that's different about this model is there is a coaching element in it that there's real actionable items like based on your actual personality that for me going through therapy, yeah, I could talk all day about issues or whatever, but did I ever really get any kind of uh, feedback? No, not really. I mean, and, and to be fair, we won't rehash all the details because quite frankly, I don't think either of us will remember them, but I had a moment of distress at Kara's house probably three months ago. And it was a similar situation where I just felt triggered by something somebody had said. We were, we were like, there were people that were over, um, but not at her house. Excuse me. Let me be clear during a pandemic, we were standing outside around a bonfire all distanced, but I just basically, I ended up like we went back to the house and we started talking through some things and it took us forever. It took me forever but I will also say it was very necessary and it would, it actually proved to be a good growth, like in our own relationship. It was like an arduous, probably three hour conversation. And we both cried at certain points. Like, I don't even remember exactly everything we spoke about. And I think it took forever for me to even identify and like name what I was, what, what the emotions were that I was feeling. And it really didn't even probably have to do with that situation. So I just always think about that because there's so many situations in the world where, again, there's no need for, for grown people to be ending friendships like over miscommunication. And that's usually what it comes down to is just, it's the title of one of the books, understand to be understood. So if I don't understand myself and how I operate, I can't understand other people. So that will be our goal, honestly, is like by having these sessions and helping people analyze their full personality profile, which we are both being trained to do um, and about to be certified, like that opens a whole new window to even just how you perceive the world and maybe some things you didn't know about yourself. Also, without having to spend the high ticket price of investing in a therapist, but that might actually be a better I think what you're saying, Kara, is this has been more enlightening for you personally, because it was actually like, hey, this is teaching me about myself and my needs, whereas that could take a matter of literal years working with a therapist, and this is literally the tactics they're using. Like, they're, they're drawing things out of you because they've been trained in stuff like this. And then they're charging you lots of money because, you know, they're, and they're worthy of it. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but for many of us, like that, that hasn't also, it's legitimately not been a go-to option because it just wasn't affordable either. Well, that, and also accessibility, 
you know, it's yeah. not, it's not super easy to find somebody period, like, especially in the area I live in. And then when you, it may or may not be a good fit, like to work yeah. with that person, they may not there's really understand. Very, there's very minimal for. black therapists. I've literally never met a Latino therapist ever. Um, and those things are important culturally for understanding some of the traumas and some of the mentalities and things that a patient might talk, talk about, you know what I mean? Or a client, excuse me. I don't, I don't know what what they call, but, um, what they call us. I think especially moving forward, like in our current, you know, situation, especially in America, like we just got through an election or still getting through an election, pardon me, that, um, it's very divisive and we have millions of people, on at odds with each other basically and also there's a component for us in our in the work that we're doing in our business like there's a component now that wasn't there before and it well it was there before we just didn't realize it but how do we like how do we communicate with people that we just have like no nor no sort of like beginning commonality anymore because there's so many things that we're at odds about as far as ethics and um it's because we're focused with social media i have a theory um and i think it's because people jump to the content and what you what you learn in learning the process therapy model and the more importantly the process communication model because they're technically two different things they're related but they're two different things um but the process communication model is to stay in process and it sounds really really counterintuitive and crazy to say but most times especially when people are in distress which a good portion of the country is right now it has nothing to do with anything somebody's saying it has nothing to do with content it is all about how it's communicated and how that communication is received that's it and if it feels if it makes it feel better that's if right. it makes it feel safe, if it makes it feel right, if it makes it feel peaceful in some way, whatever that, whatever side of that narrative you're on. But um, right. yeah. All right. I'm hungry. So. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up, but thanks for tuning in. We've had a very rejuvenating. Clearly we went for hours here, I think hours. Um, but uh oh final thing no no we're not done sorry i know you're hungry but tell your stomach to calm down for just one more minute let's see if my screen will allow me to share part of the reason we're also talking this through is because that type of service or if you enjoyed this type of thing um we'll we'll be offering other services not only through our company but do you want to talk a little bit? Well, should we just show the trailer for Dear Blabby? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. So or Dear do Blabby. Like, yeah. Just talk it through while I'm pulling this up. So Dear Blabby is a riff on um, Dear Abby <laughs> from back in the day, the newspaper column that people write into and get advice. Um, and we thought it goes along kind of perfectly with our brand and our you know, work that we do. And so we are going to be doing this talk show 
um, but we're going to be doing it on Patreon. It's going to be a paid um, add-on. So you'll get a little hint of, of the show, a little clip of the show every couple weeks when we produce it, and then you will have the option to buy the whole episode over on Patreon. Um, we are doing it this way so that we can be more vulnerable. Um, we kind of feel like we've hit a wall a bit on the typical social media platforms as far as giving our content away for free and um, to kind of not only, I guess, protect ourselves a bit from scrutiny of people that don't value our work, um, we are going to make it paid uh, so that you can come over and have a safe environment to both express yourself and um, hear us express ourselves freely as well. So, uh, not that we censor ourselves terribly in this podcast, but there are certain things that we will not be talking about because there are some in our audience that are in our audience because they're just, they're just more curious, I guess, than anything else. Um, that's okay, but we want to give people an opportunity to ask some hard questions and we want to be able to give transparent answers. And so we thought this was kind of a good platform to do that. Also, we're going to be um, kind of highlighting some content like in commentary from different things that are in pop culture and the news, that kind of thing. So we might get into some politics. Um, we might get into some religion. We might get into just some funny crap that we find on YouTube. Who knows? Um, but we're going to try might, to make it kind of a variety. We, we might even analyze like some famous people's personality types too. Put yeah, a little, maybe. Put a little PCM. PCM and <laughs> um, process communication model. So just so y'all know, my, my laptop has been incredibly slow, but if you've never visited our website, which I know we reference every time, please do. It's spirituallystrategic.com. Um, and we've got so many great resources on here. Uh, we recently revamped everything. There's a whole like learning hub. Nope. I don't want to go to that page. Just stop. Um, there's a whole learning cup here where you can see, basically, we have a free five-day five day guided journal. We've got some free courses. We got a whole web series called Losing My Religion. Um, but check it out. There's a whole new section just for Dear Blabby. Um, so you can learn a little bit more about us. There's some other featured videos and things. But, oh, well, my screen just went blank. You know what? We will have to share. We'll just, we'll just tag that preview um, we'll link it up here in the linked videos on YouTube as the next preferred video because our preview, if you just go to our channel right now, I actually have, we have a playlist with the two different previews for Dear Blabby. So if you want to learn more about that um, in particular, or you want to go submit a question and you want to know what it's about before you submit a question, totally understandable, um, just go to uh, our YouTube channel here. And we have both videos. I think, let me, let me tell you the exact playlist. Hang on. Let me, let me tell you where to go. Um, my channel here. You'll when see When you it. submit your it's question, literally completely, yeah. completely Sorry. anonymous. So you don't have to put an email address or anything in where we have no way of seeing who you are. So don't worry about that. Uh, you can have it be like a narrative story that you're sharing that you want advice on, or it can be a question. And we're up for answering anything. So um, we've gotten a few in there so far, and we will be including those in our first episode. 
Yeah, so there's actually a playlist on our YouTube called Dear Blabby. So you can see both of the previews there. They have, we did drop those in there. Um, and that, that can help you learn a little bit more, but we'll link, we will link in the notes here on YouTube and on our podcast platforms. Um, we will give a link to that Dear Blabby questions. So we talked about a lot, we covered a lot. We got some, some different endeavors happening on Patreon um, as well as just in general for Spiritually Strategic Co of some other services, we're gonna offer some kind of like executive level services. Um, if looking into your personality um, is your thing. And when I say executive, I mean like, no, you're not like hopping on to just get a free personality profile. <laughs> this has actually been a huge investment on me and Kara's part, not only with time and money, but there, like I said, um, and I can get the exact numbers, but I will actually be one of the few people who is certified um, to train on the process communication model in the whole United States. So, and Kara will be too. So there you go. <laughs> I don't right. have anything else to add. <laughs> well, thank you for therapizing me today. Uh, I think it helped. Not a therapist. Let, you know. let me give that disclaimer. I am not a therapist. I'm not. No, but you will be a doctor soon. I will have a PhD. It is true. But that's not the same as a medical doctor. I know. <laughs> All right. Bye, sister. Bye, Bye viewers. Sister. Thank you so much. Be sure you subscribe. Hit like. Drop some comments for us so we know what you like and what you want more of. Share this episode if you really love it. Okay. Share it. Even if you don't. Share it. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs>